You are listening to the Over and Back Podcast with Jason and RJ. And as always, we want you all to shut up and sit down. fans what is up welcome back once again to the over and back podcast for april 27th 2019 we are uh recording a day early today uh i have to go out of town on work so we are getting it in when we can unfortunately there are some games tonight that are kind of important and we are going to be a little bit behind this week yeah the good news on that though is that one of the things that we're changing up at least for the rest of the playoffs is that you know what we trust that our listeners are getting their breaking news from other sources, not a week-old podcast on, on what the scores are. So by the time that this does record, you've already been on to ESPN or whatever site, CBS Sports, whichever one that you uh, that you get your news from, and you've already seen who won what. We're going to give you a little bit more of a deeper, uh, a deeper look and some insight on the teams themselves and some overall big-picture stuff. So at the end of the day, outside of this Spurs-Nuggets game where we're just going to pretend we know the finish... Well, of course, I'm going to hope that the Spurs win. And let's, for our listeners' sake, let's just pretend that they did until next week. I'm not even going to say it's a pretend. They did. Ladies and gentlemen, the Spurs have won. They've, they've won it all. Oh, thank God. Round two. Here we go. Yes. And they won 196-81. to 81. <laughs> That's... Well, let's see if that comes true, right? <laughs> they shoot 89% from the field. <laughs> I, I just bet money on it. All right. Oh, God. I'm never going to Vegas with you. <laughs> all, all joking aside, there is a lot to cover. I, I want to. I, I kind of want to go over w- what um, what round two is, is kind of looking like. So as everybody already knows, with the exception of tonight's game with the Spurs and the Nuggets, uh, the, the semifinals kind of ironed out. We saw the Rockets uh, finish off the Utah Jazz. The Jazz, who put up a pretty good fight towards the end there. They kind of figured a few things out, but it ended up being too little too late. Right. Last night, we saw that the Warriors uh, erupted on the L.A. Clippers. Yeah, that was sad to see. It had to happen. Yeah, I mean, it was inevitable. I I didn't expect them to push it, although everybody's talking, can the Clippers make history? I just wanted the Clippers to wear them out a little bit, and they did that, I think. They did. Well, I mean, Steph Curry and and Klay Thompson, both, both slightly injured now because of that game. Do you hear that? That's me smiling. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, so last night was it last night? Last night I sent a, a text to Jason and I said, "Hey, the Clippers are only two games away, two ga- two wins away from signing Kevin Durant." And then I laughed <laughs> maniacally for like thirty seconds. And then because I'm me, I didn't reply until the next day. So <laughs> yeah, it lo- lost its effect at that point. Uh, we have the uh, the Bucks and the Celtics. That's a uh, that's going to be a very interesting series. Yeah. Yeah, both teams a little green for the playoffs. <laughs> oh, God. Kermit would be proud. <laughs> now, uh, this one's interesting on paper to me because I am really, really, uh, really anticipating Boston actually uh, being a little more competitive than they have been in the regular season. And they've done a really good job of turning things up, and they've looked not maybe not the first couple of games uh, of their last series against Indiana – but their offense has started to flow. Gordon Hayward is coming on strong. Mm-hmm. And uh, these young guys are guaranteed their minutes with a tightened-up rotation, and they're not worried about, you know, am I going to get you know 20 minutes this game or 35 minutes this game. Their rotations are kind of set, so they're they're playing like they know they're going to be there. So. so what's going to stand out to me for the Celtics is if Jason Tatum can step it up defensively. And if, if uh, 
Um, Stevens is smart enough to, to keep the keep the legs fresh on Giannis uh, and rotate it. Don't be afraid to put the undersized Brown on Giannis for a while. Tatum on him. Keep Hayward protected by mm-hmm. stashing him no, in the corner. They, they need to constantly keep changing it up yep. and giving him different looks. Otherwise, he's going to start exploiting them when, you know, yeah, if, oh, yeah. if they keep going back. And, and he, it's kind of like that Jordan effect. Like, you know he's going to beat you. Just don't let him beat you in any other ways than what you're already kind of expecting. Make him, make him work really hard for the shots that he's going to get right. uh, so that by the fourth quarter he's just gassed, right? Like, mm-hmm. that's the key. Don't give him the easy buckets. Don't give him the and ones. You're either going to knock him down or you're, you know, you're going to yeah. make him have to work for That's it. That's one other thing I've noticed too lately in the league. There's so many just silly fouls that are given up at opportune times when, yeah, two point, two point play is going to be bad, but just because out of frustration, you make it a three point play and, and reach, mm-hmm. uh, reach out for somebody when you know you're not going to have a chance to really affect that shot and you just give them a little tap or whatever and everything's called so close yep. these days. Of course, they're going to blow whistles. When yep. Normally, you know, a good handful of years ago, it probably wouldn't have been a foul, but. Well, I think another thing that the Celtics can do is that they can attack Giannis on the defensive end. Now, I'm not saying he's a defensive liability at all. He's great. He's, you know, I'm sure he's going to win multiple Defensive Player of the Year. Um, you know, as as he continues to develop his not defensive the side of the game, MVP. right? But uh, <laughs> but I'm saying attack him with switches constantly. Throw him on the screen. Throw him on the screen. Throw him on the screen. Uh-huh. Switch, switch, and and all you're trying to do is you're trying to wear him out. You do that first quarter, second quarter, third quarter. By the fourth quarter, you just like even a young player like that is going to get tired of Al for- Al Horford's screen on the top. Like just one more, I can't take it. Yeah, I think over a seven game series, that's kind of the key. Is can they work him on the defensive end uh, by by being physical? Something that everybody should be uh, paying attention to. Malcolm Brogdon's going to miss game one and game two of this series, though, and I think that's a, it's going to create a little bit of a liability. Yeah, that's a big loss for them. He's he's an important part of their backcourt, and uh, uh, yeah, he's, he's going to be missed. He's a good outside presence. He's He's a playmaker. He uh, he also makes his own plays. Yeah. Gets his own shots. Gets to his spots, and is pretty pretty competent from three. And uh, yeah, that, he's going to be missed. So, uh, another game I want to talk about is going to be uh, uh, the Raptors seventy sixers. Now it just wrapped up, and we saw that the Raptors completely decimated the seventy sixers. Joel Embiid had uh, had a twenty uh, something percent shooting night, uh, and and Kawhi went went crazy with eleven rebounds, forty five points on like seventy percent shooting. Yeah. So I think this is just a preview of of what we can expect every game out of this series. Yeah, that's actually, you know, giving us a stat line. It's a good good point to to talk about what we wanted to talk about uh Kawhi Leonard. Yeah. Uh, later on. Uh so earlier this week, uh Kendrick Perkins, former Thunder player, Cavalier, uh journeyman, he won his championship with the Celtics. Um he came out Making making a comparison, not to how good Kawhi was, but the style of game that he's playing. So he said that he thinks Kawhi Leonard's game right now, what he's doing, uh, he's comparing him a lot to the way Michael Jordan played as far as getting to his spots, uh, not letting the defense uh, dictate where he's going to go on the court, playing ridiculous defense, uh, backing guys up, using his strength, hitting his turnaround jump shots, getting into the lane, uh, shooting over people and overpowering them. And I don't know about you, but to me that sounded a lot like what Michael Jordan did to people on the second half of his career. And not to mention, uh, I saw a couple of times Kawhi threw up a one-handed Michael Jordan ball fake. <laughs> like, uh, yeah. there's, there's yep. Nothing looks more Jordan than a one-handed ball fake. So he took a lot of flack from, from a lot of people just making fun of the fact that how can you compare you know, Michael Jordan to Kawhi Leonard, which 
Michael Jordan will always be a better player than Kawhi Leonard, but he was comparing the way that he was playing at that moment, you know, as he's been doing for the series, the last series, and it was a pretty fair comparison. And today, he kind of backed that theory up. And I'm not mm-hmm. saying that Kawhi Leonard is Michael Jordan, but I'm just saying if you're going to pattern what you're going to do after somebody, it might as well be Michael Jordan. Right. So Michael Jordan, in my mind. Yeah, Kawhi doesn't have that same turnaround jump shot. He still, he you know, he never had no, that rare. But error his turnaround, kinda. he takes the turnaround from about twelve, and it mm-hmm. looks pretty decent. Yeah, but what I'm saying is he he he's not. We're not saying, and I know Kendrick's not saying that he's he's like a Kobe Bryant, right? Like like somebody who who's emulating everything about Jordan. That's not what Kawhi is, and it's never what he's been about. It's just when you watch him actually play. In between those forty-eight minutes, nothing else. You cut away and you look at just the forty-eight minutes. He. He's at the top of the key. He doesn't need that screen pop three or that drive to the hoop, no. right? He 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 can take his guy one on one, drive him to the middle, and just silky smooth jumper from eighteen, right? Mm-hmm. Like that is that is Jordan's game, the turnaround jumper game. You know, Kawhi will probably never have that. I think very few people. I, I know Dirk and Jordan have like the most amazing turnarounds ever, and I, I don't think we'll see it it come around very often. But but from yeah, the nuts and bolts of Michael Jordan's game, Kawhi thinks the same way. How do I exploit the player that's exactly. in front of me? And I don't think that means he's as good as Jordan or is Jordan. It just means he sees the game the same way. Right. Which which I think is actually a shout-out more less about a comparison to Jordan and more about how Kawhi plays the game the way that it used to be played. Exactly. Right? He's not worried about three or dunk. He's, he's worried no, about— No, he's worried about making the smart play. And obviously today he shoots 70%. Yep. And he's been shooting into the 50s all year long. Yep. So the fact of the matter is— Smart shots. Like, this is the way that, you know, he doesn't take a whole lot of shots. So, yep. a lot of times at the end of the game, we're like, well, Kawhi had 28 points. How did Kawhi have 28 points? Right. I hardly saw him shoot. That's because he didn't shoot that much. He didn't, she's just consistent. So, listeners, I want you all to smile with me right now and, and just revel in the fact that we have Jason shouting the praises of Kawhi Leonard again, and it only took a year and a half. Uh, whatever. <laughs> so it's, at least he went to the Raptors, and I like the Raptors too. It could be, it could be there worse. You, there you, you know, I, I, I'm I'm taught to forgive. <laughs> so let's call it right now. We have the I haven't forgotten. <laughs> <laughs> so let's call this. Let's let's call our predictions. Rock, uh, Rockets Warriors. I have the Rockets winning this. I, I have the, the Rockets winning it in six. In six. Okay, Jason for six. RJ says. It'll be a seven-game series. Nah, you're right. Six-game series. I think that the Warriors are just just discombobulated. I don't. I don't think a 50-game performance from Kevin Durant matters. I don't think home court advantage matters much either. Yeah. Where they used to be just unbeatable in Oracle. Yep. Once they lost one home game there, mm-hmm. you know. Now guys are blowing them out. Like. Once every couple of weeks, you hear that they lose by you know twenty five or thirty at home. And well, and, and the more seasoned and the more playoff experience you have as a team, and the older that you get, the less that playing on the road really impacts you, right? Exactly. So, and I don't think either one of these teams will be heartbroken if they have to, to play on the road. It, they're 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 set to play the game. It doesn't matter if it's at Oracle. If it, do, it doesn't matter if it's at well, Toyota Center. The difference in performance, though, Houston does play particularly better uh, at home. And I think that uh, I think they're they'll be able to take more advantage of having that home court uh, if they can. I mean, it'll be their home court advantage if they can pull one game uh, in Golden State, you know. And that's all they need. And I don't think they'll have a lot of issues getting that split right off the bat. So okay, so 
Spurs Blazers. Now we're, we're saying Spurs. I honestly feel like the Spurs are beating the Nuggets tonight. So you can insert Nuggets into this if you if you want, depending on how you feel. We so, will be able to check how they're doing maybe in about uh, you know fifteen twenty minutes or so in the podcast. Maybe we'll give a little update and give us an idea. We're both pulling for the Spurs though. I I'm feeling a little pessimistic in my heart though. Okay. And well, I guess to say my brain, my heart is is <laughs> chanting "Go Spurs, go" as we speak. Uh, my my basketball brain is sort of giving it to the home team. So. so, so in that case, you have Nuggets Blazers here. Who's your prediction? I like Portland. Portland, okay. I, you know, and forgive me, listeners, for not giving Portland a chance to get into the first round. But that was uh, a different matchup uh, than they had uh, going against uh, the Thunder. Uh, previously, I didn't like their matchup against Utah, and mm-hmm. that's where we thought they were going to be. Uh, that being said, they're rolling. They are, and I don't. The way their whole attitude is, and their mm-hmm. whole swagger, and the fact that you know they don't—they're just business. They don't want to talk to anybody else in the court that's not wearing a Blazers jersey. They don't—they're not going to mm-hmm. argue a call with a single ref. And I got to tell you, I think the referees are actually going to appreciate that because uh, you know if there's a fifty-fifty ball, hey, I'm going to give it to the team that hasn't been—you know talking just junk all game long you know uh and that their backcourt is insane Mm -hmm. uh dame's averaging 33 points through the playoffs which is a blazers franchise record he's apparently taking bad shots to win games oh that's later Uh, (laughs) that's later (laughs) in the podcast we'll talk about that guy later (laughs) uh but man i i tell you they've been something special to watch and everybody has been stepping up and it's not that uh their backup bigs have been like scoring astronomically but they filled in the way they needed to and other Mm -hmm. guys are picking up scoring slack al faruq aminu is shooting uh out of his mind uh from the outside uh his percentage is is pretty average but he's hitting them in a timely manner when the players need to go want to run he will hit one or two in a row and all of a sudden they're right back in so uh he's been he's been on it with that and uh yeah i mean we can say i don't need to say anything about cj and damien Mm -hmm. it's i mean they're averaging almost 60 points a game together and it's 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 amazing so so here's my concern i have spurs blazers if it's Spurs Blazers, I have the Blazers being able to do this, right? I I just don't think the Spurs have the firepower to offset all the things that you just said about Portland. But if I was in your shoes and it was Denver and it's Denver versus the Blazers, I gotta say, I think Denver in five, you definitely so. by six. Enos Cantor questionable the entire series which means he's got to be missing at least the first three games of this he separated his shoulder in that game uh against the thunder still played through because they're so thin in that in that front court that and and he was having a good game he says he can't eat he can't get dressed Uh, i just don't see him one at all this series being better than 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 75 percent throughout the whole series the first four games of the series he's going to be 50 percent or less if he's even playing Mm -hmm. i think that against the spurs that's okay you can work around it i think leonard i think collins i think those kind of players can keep up with with the the front court of the spurs but the the problem is when you have to put Cantor on Jokic. Night after night. Well, what they're going to have to do is make sure that Jokic doesn't get to his spots. And I, I and just, I, I don't think Leonard. And I know that I know you seeing the prices about how tough they are. I don't think Leonard or Collins is tough enough to keep to keep him out of the blocks. I just don't. No, I think if anybody, Leonard has a bit of a better chance, and I would guarantee that he's probably going to get more minutes than Collins this series when it has been the other way around. Mm-hmm. They've gone to Zach Collins for his his speed and his defensive ability as far as blocking shots and and, and that kind of thing and being an off ball defender down low. But uh, uh, he, uh, 
Yeah, they, you know, I'll, I'll give it to you. They are a little thin in the middle. However, they do have a lot more firepower coming, too, than Denver has. Yeah. I, again, I, I'm, a, I'm, I'm always going to preach matchup. I think that if it was the Nuggets, I think the Blazers are done for. But I think I'm calling the Spurs in this win. So, therefore, we're, we're both going Blazers. We have no difference yet. You're a copycat. Bucks versus Celtics. I'm going to go first on this one. All right, just because you, Just because you're already copying me, I think you're going to copy me again. I have the Bucks. In six, and and it's really it comes down to I think the Bucks are a better team. I don't think they have all the same drama problems. I don't think that there's a single player on that Bucks team that's worried about their free agency. Middleton's up, Brogdon's up, and none of them give a crap. I think they give a crap about the next four to seven games. Whereas Kyrie is is probably on Zillow right now, trying to find a good deal on on a New York apartment. Yeah, there's a good chance with that. Uh, I. Uh uh, you know, I'm I'm gonna agree with you, but I'm gonna go seven. Okay. I think Boston is gonna be really really tough, but I don't think they're gonna be able to take out Milwaukee in Milwaukee on a game seven. I think they're they are gonna stand their ground. They have enough uh, they have enough weapons just so long as they start using them correctly. Um, and you know they've been making. A progressive steps each game, and it seems like they've been getting better each game as the playoffs go on. And I think a big part of that is their short rotation, not trying to play 10, 11 guys, you know, playing eight or nine guys. And that's that's been a big change for them, and I think it's been a positive change. And I think if anything is going to get them over the hump against a team like Milwaukee, it's going to be, you know, making sure they're using their weapons for longer. Their better players have got to play more minutes, and that's just kind of the way it needs to work in the playoffs. Okay. And I think on paper, you know, they have – they just have more tools. I don't think, though, that they can take them at home in a Game 7. Fair. MVP. MVP. Yeah. Raptors, 76ers. Now, Raptors in five. If today says anything. <laughs> I have Raptors in five. I hate the 76ers. I've gone from they're kind of fun to watch to, man, they have some problems, to I can't stand them anymore. Yeah. It's tough for me to believe a man who's wearing red, white, and blue right now saying I hate the 76ers. But <laughs> he's going to stab me with that pen in his hand. Uh, you know, <laughs> I'm wearing my Buffalo Bills hoodie in, in celebration of the Buffalo Bills not making the worst draft picks possible. Is that what you did all day is watch the draft? This is the later rounds I don't care too much about. But first, second, third round, we did all right. All right I took my kid to get his haircut today, and the, the guy in the barbershop was like, hey, if you want to go back in the lounge area, the fifth round is going on right now. I'm like, yeah, I'm good. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> fifth I'm, round, huh? I'm good. Thanks, Jake. But no thanks. Uh, no, we, <laughs> That's awesome. Um, the, the 76ers are doing everything to just kind of piss off old NBA fans. Mm-hmm. They're... Uh, they're being a bunch of whiny babies, and I can't stand it. And the the trolling is starting to just drive me nuts. Yeah, and much. yeah, it it started to like when I really uh, started to just hit my edge with the trolling was a, a post game interview, and then he said it again in the press conference. I think too that 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 you know who's Jared Dudley? He's a nobody. He's a nothing. And I'm like Jared Dudley's a a longtime vet in this league that a lot of guys look up to as a, a locker room leader and a character class guy who sticks up for his teammates. So if that's your idea of nothing, you're not my idea of the next big thing. Sorry, Embiid. Yeah. Hey, you know what? Joel Embiid, you're blessed with an amazing skill set, and I'm sure you've worked really hard for that. But how about somebody strips away all of your athletic ability 
and and makes you stay in the league for 10 plus years with nothing but your heart good luck i think you make it half a season yeah not like jared dudley yeah so you're calling raptors i'm sure I'm calling Raptors. I'm calling Raptors in six. In six, you love that six. I'm calling them in five. We'll see. I, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it is that five game gentleman sweep. Mm-hmm. But um, Philly does have a lot of firepower. Okay. And you know, if they, I, I can see them easily getting on a good run for a couple of games. You know, and it's not gonna it's not gonna be like they're gonna look like the dominant team in this series but it's gonna look like they might squeak out a couple you know our our listener daniel last week had asked uh about about the 76ers imploding we talked about it a little bit and Mm -hmm. just every time now uh shout out to him every time i'm watching the 76ers i keep replaying that question in my head thinking man i really blew my opportunity to, to call it how i see it which is next game Next game, you talk about firepower. I think the only firepower by the end of this playoff run is going to be the fire that's actually in Philadelphia in that locker room uh, as as Jimmy Butler packs up for the last time and Tobias Harris packs up for the last time. Right. And and they say, I'm not dealing with this this pre this uh this immature uh, uh, Ben Simmons Joel Embiid show. No, thank you. No, it's it's too much. You know when you're when you do have a lot of guys who are veterans like. Uh, Jimmy Butler, like Tobias Harris, J.J. Redick on that mm-hmm. team. Uh, and they're being led by a couple of guys who are really showing how immature they are. Yep. That's going to be a hard thing for a lot of these these old pros to, to swallow, you know. Yeah. All right. Well, that kind of goes over our preview of the second round. What I uh – what I uh, alluded to at the, at the top of the show was that we're going to do a little bit of a post mortem on the on the teams that lost in the first round. This is going to we're going to take kind of a deep dive into what does their future look like, what are some mm-hmm. of the next steps that they need, uh, and, and what's our evaluation of of the chances that they're going to improve or uh, or have to implode or blow it all up. So I would like to start with the Oklahoma City Thunder. If you're okay with that, that sounds good to me. Man. Awesome. So. Some some things that every listener here should know. Last year, uh, not this not this season that just ended for them, but the but the you know last season when they also got bumped out in the first round. Th- that's the one I'm talking about. That first round exit, not this Wasn't first it round exit. The season before that, they when did they go out the first round. It was it was yeah Noel no no. no. <laughs> <laughs> so largest salary in history last year. Uh, they led the league in uh, in salary again this year. They have. Salary cap problems, right? Like they're 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 in, they're in really bad shape. They really are really bad shape. You might as well call it salary cap purgatory at this point. Russell Wilson, nope. Russell Westbrook, whew. Russell Westbrook is owed four years, escalating from high thirties to high forties over the the course of the five years. It's that supermax deal that ends uh, in four years, making forty nine million dollars. It's insane. That's what I want for thirty percent shooting. Right there, you go. <laughs> uh, Paul George is owed over the next three seasons in the thirties. Uh, Stephen Adams is owed uh, mid twenties to high twenties over the next two seasons. And Schroeder, Dennis Schroeder, is owed in the high teens and early tw- in, in low twenties over the next two seasons at all. There's no trade that makes sense for them. There's no way they get salary cap relief. Not only are they going to be in salary cap purgatory where they can't add any additional help, but they also don't have first-round draft picks in 2020 or 2022 while they're stuck in this this salary cap limbo. And they're led by uh, Billy Donovan, who who just caught shade from his third player. Now, Kevin Durant called him out when he left on his burner accounts. Uh, (laughs) uh, uh, Enos Cantor called him out like in an Enos Cantor kind of way. But then, uh, whichever Morse it was, Marcus, 
Markeith. Was it Markeith? One of the Morse twins, whichever one played for him, yeah. also called him out. He got shade thrown on him for being an ineffective head coach. So they have an ineffective head coach, bullheaded players that nobody's going to want to come to coach, and no way to get out of this out of this team. They're a first-round exit team for the next two, three seasons. No, and I think part of the reason why they've been so bitter lately is because they see the writing on the wall. You know, it's no, it's no mystery. They're, they're a lot of them are deeper into this stuff than we are, as far as you know where their standing are, what their salary is, you know what their options are looking like in the future, because it's been talked about. They probably talked about it all year. This is our shot. This is our chance. And uh, all they managed to do is, you know, again, be mediocre at best. And not only that, they pissed some people off while doing it. So mm-hmm. I'm a lot more than some. The I, I mean, between the drama. That they had with the fans in in Denver and uh, I'm blanking. Oh, on by the way, didn't, the other the other day when we were watching the Thunder game, we did see Russell uh, icing his knees like he usually does <laughs> with two big bags of ice on his knees. So yep. I'm just gonna yeah. put that out there. <laughs> right? Yeah, I laughed. I laughed when you pointed <laughs> that out, and then there he was with two bags of two bags of uh, ice on his knees like he always does. Uh, you know, I say middle of the road playoff team next season. I think that it 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 de um, uh, it devalues year over year. Stephen Adams isn't getting any better. Paul George, no, Russell Westbrook, no, getting they're older. They're just getting older. Yep. You know that's that's the thing. There they have you know upswing on some young talent like with uh, Jeremy Grant, right? Yeah, I'm not big but, on him though. No, uh, but. He's he has gotten better. He's a role player, in my opinion. Even when he's yes, he can be a rotational that's, player. That's, that, that's the thing. He doesn't need to be a superstar. He doesn't need to be a star. He needs to get more solid at what he does and more consistent, helping the guys who are actually superstars who still you know twenty nine thirty years old is their prime. And he doesn't have to to be that you know like they're going to call him a big three like he's going to be a part of you know their their main uh, you know core yeah, but, there. But, but look, like, but if he became a Pascal Siakam. That's an entirely different team. Yeah, but Pascal Siakam is—he doesn't need to be an all-star. I only say his name every chance I get because it's one of the few names that I don't screw up too bad, and uh, it 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 gives me redemption every time I try to say somebody else's name. Uh, another young player on the Thunder. I want to hear you say Vitaly Potapenko. I could do Vitaly Potapenko all day long. Oh. <laughs> uh, Turd Ferguson, like, like that's that's where they're at. I'm sure that's his name. Turd Ferguson, he's um he throws a lot of those up at the basket. He does, that. but that's what I mean. Like their youth is Jeremy Grant, who I think is overrated by the uh, Jason Corbett standard. I think that Turd <laughs> Ferguson is overrated. I don't. I, I think. I think this team is built without like. There's just no element of this team that I like. It doesn't feel like there was thought in right. putting them together. I like Paul George. I don't like Paul George on this team. I like Russell Westbrook. I like Russell Westbrook four years ago, right? Like, <laughs> if you take that Russell Westbrook. You mean with, the Russell Westbrook that played with Kevin Durant? Yeah, he was pretty good. Yeah, he was. It's right? nice when people don't pay attention to you because Kevin Durant's on your team. <laughs> and maybe Just Kevin. ask Steph Curry. Mm. Good point. So, that's I, I think that that's, um, if you're a Thunder fan, my apologies, but. But you're destined to be the early 2000s Portland Blazers where you don't get good draft picks and you ride a, a core that's already kind of up there in age until they're too old. And uh, just pray that yeah, but Sam Presti. So fun on paper. <laughs> and pray that Sam Presti doesn't try to re-ink anybody at that two-year mark right. because he's like, ah, you know what? I got Russ for two more years and I got PG for one or two more years. Let's let's just double down and let's re-sign Adams and, and Schroeder. And let's but, take the Wayback Machine, though, 
Those 2003 Blazers in like NBA 2K3 <laughs> were rated higher than the Eastern Conference All-Stars. Okay. Okay. <laughs> if only they could convert. Next team I have is the small market team out of Los Angeles, the Clippers. Are they small market now? Owned by a billionaire, throwing just all sorts of everything he can to improve that team. Until the Lakers stop dominating every 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 story, every story and every even even on our lowly little podcast here, they still dominate. And the yeah. number the number they're the number one selling franchise uh merch or sorry, the number one selling merchandise team. Not just because of what we're gonna talk about later, but but just in general, they sell more merchandise than any other team. The Clippers are way down there in the low Despite teams. Despite all those shirts being purple. <laughs> hey, you know what it, it it's it's 2019 purple is the new black yeah everybody wants to feel like barney in this shirt i think the clippers are primed to be the number one team of uh so so they were the the eighth seed going into the playoffs but they're going to be the one seed going into the offseason for what they're going to accomplish i think there's going to be some big big moves and uh, you know even if it's not Kawhi, Mm -hmm. i think it's going to shock us on who signs there if it's not Kawhi, because i think people are they're literally they're desiring to go there for the opportunity to one play in a market like that play for a uh, a owner who has nothing but very very good intentions and is a huge huge basketball fan not just a businessman who who wants to see nothing more than their team succeed and i think mm-hmm. he's going to do everything in his power to do that and with the coaching staff that they have the fact that again doc isn't being pulled in two directions being yeah. being an executive and the head coach um, you know that that player gm or the coach gm thing just doesn't work mm-hmm. you know shout out tibbs it, it it doesn't and now you can see if he focuses fully on coaching what he can do yep. and it's it's great even if that means shipping your son away, like, well, was he still the GM at that point? No, no, no. That's, yeah, so, that's what I mean. So, like, so, so here, here's some things that I think is really interesting. They tried to tank so they could so they could keep their draft pick. It didn't work. But then, it, it, so what they're doing is they're dumping their 15th pick this year to the Celtics, who thought they were going to end up. They thought Celtics thought that this pick was going to be like a top five pick when they originally oh, pulled that yeah, trade off. Oh yeah, they were really excited about it. This is like the same uh, crap that uh, that Cleveland just went through, thinking that they were going to have the first pick, getting that New Jersey yep. pick, or Brooklyn yeah. pick, yep. the Brooklyn pick, pick, and it turned nice. into what was so seven or eight. So. Yeah, it turned into a lower pick. So they got no pick. Uh, they have no pick in 19. They have two first-round picks in 20. They have two first-round picks in 21. And I love this. This gives like uh, this gives the Clippers so much flexibility. If they keep this core that was really exciting and hardworking together, they have enough money to bring in one superstar, right. one max level of any of any stage of their career. And Justin, that would be a big change. But if they let uh, – uh, if, if they find a, a trade partner, and, and they'd probably partner up some draft picks to do this, but trade Gallinari and renounce uh, a couple of the players that are free agents right now, they can bring in two and still keep uh, a lot of the components the same going into next season. That couple, That's a scary thought. Yeah, a great owner. An up and coming, uh, an up and coming team with you know I, mean, I don't want to say up and coming because there's some veterans on that team, but but the team that definitely showed that they belong with a great head coach. I don't know who wouldn't want to go to L.A. and play for the Los Angeles Clippers over the dumpster fire that's happening in the same arena uh, for the purple and gold. Yeah, you know absolutely the the Clippers. Uh, I mean, just for general people who think they're NBA fans who just like the go to games. 
they're always going to be Laker fans because that's just how it is. However, if you're really, really uh, just into uh, seeing franchises kind of do things the right way, it's hard to not, you know, it's hard to not be on the Clippers side in the city of L.A. Especially for so many years when uh, uh, Sterling owned that franchise. Oh, it was yeah. so bad for so long. Like, it was just, it was deliberately bad. No, he was one of the worst owners. You know, just asides from what he got in trouble for, mm-hmm. he was awful. Yeah. Yeah, very very tone deaf when he, when he would sign players, he would sign the wrong players. And then they had that, like, streak of, it was just like, if something bad happened, it happened to a Clipper, Danny Manning, for instance. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh, Danny Manning's can't miss. And then all of a sudden, he just gets completely destroyed by injury. Ron Harper, Ron Harper's can't miss. No. And then he gets destroyed by injury. And he's just like, man, like, yeah, I would look into my medical staff first. Well, maybe that was uh, But, uh, yeah, I mean, that was a couple of big uh, big blows to the mm-hmm. Clipper franchise. Because Ron Harper, man, Ron Harper, back in the day before he had his run with the Chicago Bulls, he was a you know mid twenty scorer, one of the best slashers in the league. Yep. He was one of the guys who, like, you know, you would almost uh, think that he would be on the verge of reaching that superstardom, mm-hmm. being that he's, he was about Jordan's size. Mm-hmm. He was very quick, very athletic. His shot, his shot was 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 pretty good, especially for back then when not a lot of people took threes. Mm-hmm. And to see his like both of his knees went on him, yeah. you know, and it, the, it was, yeah, that was sad. You know, he he reminded me the way he played. He reminded me of like a. I mean, obviously the physique didn't quite match up, but he played the game a lot like Grant Hill did too. Mm-hmm. He had great court vision, but he could put the ball and he could score from pretty much anywhere. Like he had good athleticism, but he had a good shot. Right. He had a lot of that Grant Hill in him mm-hmm. uh, before the game had changed to, to kind of make Grant Hill like a point forward. Well, he didn't drink Sprite. That's so. well, you know. Well, I still blame Sprite for for that ankle injury <laughs> during during his time with the Magic, which is a perfect segue because the next team I want to talk about is the Orlando Magic, and Grant Hill happened to be the last time they were able to snag a big free agent. I can't see any way this team gets better. No, the really. If they want to shake things up, I mean, you said it earlier, uh, the only change they're going to make as far as, uh, you know, really, I don't know, that would be any sort of impact. It's not going to come with any free agents. It's not going to come with with people wanting to go there or Mm -hmm. they're in a really bad spot because they really don't have any trade assets. Right. You know, their best players, nobody really needs them. Like, who wants Aaron Gordon Gordon on their team? I mean. No, I mean. Okay, if if I could give you nothing for him. Absolutely, I'll take him because he's got a nice contract. But I'm not going to give up dollar for dollar. I'll give you like 25 cents on the dollar for Aaron Gordon. Yeah, he's – granted, he's – I'll give you Bismack Biombo. He's like my favorite dunker in the league. I and mean, He was robbed in that dunk contest a few years ago. But, you know, again, he's he hasn't uh, – He's made some improvements to his game. He is not a leader, though. He's not a team leader. He's a good piece. Yeah, and that's he, that's not enough to to attract getting getting a major star, somebody who is you know a franchise type mm-hmm. player to, to get to go there. And uh, yeah, maybe they should uh, have a disappearing act and move. Yes, I am going to lobby for this. I think that they're the most vulnerable team outside of the the Pelicans. I want the Orlando Magic to consider. My proposal, Seattle's a great place. The Sonics, a historic franchise. The, the, the customer base, rabid. Right. The ability to capture free agents into a hot market, easy. If you want to become somebody, think about, uh, think about Sonic. Well, and if Orlando wants to continue to be as sad as they are, it rains there all the time, so they should fit right in. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) 
perfect. So some things that uh, if if I, mean, I don't know if there are nobody, any. Orla- nobody goes to Magic Games either, so Key Arena might work. That place is pretty small. <laughs> so if um, Key Arena is done for, so if if you're the Magic, <laughs> the only the, like if you're a Magic fan, I should say. My, first of all, my condolences. Second of all, when you get cap space, when when in in three years, when you when you clear all the contracts off, so some of the dead money that's holding down your cap, when you can make a strong push for free agency. Jonathan Isaac, Mo Bamba, Aaron Gordon is going to be up again if he opts out of that final year. Uh, you're going to be in. You're going to be either blowing up your core of these young players who who are going to be getting out of their rookie deals, or uh, you're going to resign them because you're Orlando and you're afraid of of uh, losing any of the talent that you think might might boom somewhere else, and you're going to overpay Jonathan Isaac and you're going to overpay. Uh, Mo Bamba the next well, year. There's a lot of teams that fall into that that category of you know what we're just going to keep what we have. We're going to overpay, mm-hmm. and that's that's really kind of ruining the league at this it point is. because it's making it so all of these mid mid level players uh, are expecting these giant contracts right. because their numbers are comparable to somebody else on some crap team. So here's what makes me mad about this, and I, and and I haven't had a chance to rant to you about this, so this will be the first time you're hearing this theory. Feel free to poke holes in it if you want to. Bad players, and when I say bad, I mean they're a good player, but they're just overpaid, right? right. Like uh, max money players, you you look at the top ten players in the league; those are your max money players, right? There's not twenty, there's not twenty, there's not definitely not thirty players in this league that deserve max money. Ten deserve that max money, but because of the fact that there's only ten teams that can have these, and in some cases, what we're seeing with the NBA, that's down to like three or four teams. In some cases, you end up having to pay max money to, to second tier talent, which I'm still somewhat okay with. The problem is you have to be smart about who you're paying and why. When you when you pay, like like in this case the Orlando Magic, when you pay your homegrown talent to fill up your cap before you can acquire somebody to carry the the load for that group. You're hurting yourself. It's okay if you're already over the salary cap, and I think what we'll do, if you if you want to co-sign this, is one of our summer podcasts. We'll go to a deep dive in how the the cap in the NBA actually works because well, there's convoluted. also there's also a floor too, right? Yeah. So so, so there's you a, have to, you have to pay your payroll has to be at a certain level, and so that automatically makes it so guys are getting undeserved contracts really because mm-hmm. it has to go somewhere according well, to the, you the can, you bargaining can, agreement. Yeah, you can still do like a one year deal, or if you don't do it, what happens is you don't get in trouble. You just you, they just charge it right off the top. Anyways. Well, I mean, but, guys won't these these guys today are all about the money, and they mm-hmm. won't sign. A one-year deal. Yeah. Even if you offer it, they'll they would rather stick you and you know. Yeah. And then you know you get your contract. Half. I mean, not all of them, but there's so many times where guys have these breakout years, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden, like they they score that big deal, that big four or five-year deal, and then they're just mediocre for the next three or four years. Yeah. If you're already over the salary cap, because look, so the 76ers are a really good example of this, right? So you have Jimmy Butler. Uh, and you're going to resign him. Maybe you resign Tobias Harris. Ben Simmons comes up uh, on a new on a new rookie contract. I don't think, and maybe Lightning is going to strike me. I don't think Ben Simmons is a max money type of player, and I don't think he ever will be. But in that situation, He's I have going to get it no matter yeah, what. But in that situation, no problem. You're already so maxed out. You're twenty, thirty million dollars over the salary cap, and because you own the bird rights to this player, you can you can resign him off his rookie contract to a max year five D. I don't care. Do it. You being twenty million or forty million over the cap, no skin off my back. The problem is when teams make the mistake of being at 
or near the salary cap and making the decisions to sign these players to the max money, taking them from 10, 15, 20 million in cap space to right. over the cap by 10 for a player who isn't worth it because he's coming up or off a rookie deal, which is what I think the magic exactly. couldn't do. That's poor cap management. No, you know what's really drives me nuts about the cap system too and the way all these contracts are working is these guys are making their most money at the ends of their contracts. Yep. Why? Right. I don't understand that one bit, especially when you're signing a 28-year-old. You're going to pay him more by the time he's 33? Mm-hmm. And not nearly as effective. That's just that's just right. ridiculous to me. Yeah, I think there's a few contracts that were um, like Aaron Gordon. As much as we just knocked him, Aaron Gordon does have a contract that gets smaller every year. Um, mm-hmm. uh, it, it, like a five percent negative uh, uh, kicker on his contract, so every year it reduces by five percent. Very rarely are you able to do that unless you um, you know like they overpaid him on the top end because they weren't going anywhere, thinking that maybe we could get some money. Uh, it's going to backfire anyways. But there's very few players who are willing to do that. Everybody wants. Give me my max money, and how you get it is with that 5% escalator every season. So uh, that's way too much airtime that we've given to the Orlando Magic. The only other thing I want to say about them is uh, any time you see that team, they're playing their tails off because that coach is riding them really mm-hmm. hard, pushing defense, pushing defense. I call it the Scott Skiles effect. You call it the Thibodeau effect. The Thibodeau effect. He's going to burn that team in about two seasons. They're going to tune him out. They're not going to do this in two years because he, he will have burned that out of them yeah i mean those two coaches that we named in particular i mean that's what they're notorious for you know uh, tibbs is known for running his superstars so hard you know mm-hmm. you know all this like you know you shouldn't average 43 minutes a game yep. that doesn't matter if you're 24 years old <laughs> that is going to completely burn somebody out yep yeah, and Clifford does the same thing, and it's just you can't keep that that kind of intensity and that kind of fire going that hard that long. Just like anything, you can't redline an engine nonstop without having problems, and that's you know he's got about two years left of runway before the players shut shut him out mm-hmm. and stop. Uh, and then I don't have a good segue to move to the Pistons, other than the fact that I just met. So let's talk about engine. the Pistons. So <laughs> to the. Um, to the Detroit Pistons, who actually don't play in Detroit, I got some good news. Yeah? Yeah. Good news for the Pistons. The good news is they have been really smart with their future, and they haven't mortgaged their draft picks like a lot of these other salary cap purgatory type of teams. Mm-hmm. The bad news, they're destined to be a first-round or either a, a, a ninth seed or a first-round bounce every year at a seven or eight seed, right. and they don't land too many franchise stars between thirteen between picks thirteen and seventeen. No, it's it's well unless you're the Spurs then you can find a little treasure in there. Oh stop the, the end of the second round, you know, and he becomes a legend. Okay. Uh, that was that was pure chance. Well I think one of their second round picks is still playing too. You know what? They couldn't even pronounce his name. Okay. <laughs> They couldn't even pronounce oh, his name. So, Any, anyways, yeah, go ahead. Just go ahead with the Pistons. Yeah. What do you got? So I got some worries for you. Okay. Um, Blake Griffin, 30 years old, a bad wheel, just got his knee scoped. He's owed $110 million from now through 2022. Andre Drummond, two years left on his deal, not getting any better. Reggie Jackson, two years left on his deal. They don't have any leverage or any wiggle room next season. And two years from now, 
to have any kind of wiggle room, they have to they have to renounce Andre Drummond and Reggie Jackson. They don't have young up and comers on that team. They don't have rookies and, and second, third year players that they can rely on to carry a bulk of scoring. What are they going to do? No, I totally agree. I mean, they're going to be mediocre at best for a while. Uh, Blake's been promising, but again, you said he has he does have a bad wheel. Fortunately for them, this year he did play like the most games he's played in his entire career this season. Mm-hmm. Um, he has a different kind of game now. He's not putting quite so much pressure on his legs. So he does have a chance to stay healthier longer, but he doesn't have the help that he needs. He He's had a standout year because he gets so many more opportunities than he ever has in the past when he was playing with Chris Paul mm-hmm. and DeAndre Jordan, who's getting all you know as many mm-hmm. lobs as he was, and you know other weapons that the Clippers had all over the place. It's, you know, it's a completely different story. So Blake's a more effective player. But his usage rate is skyrocketed from what it used to mm-hmm. be, and he has, uh, you know, the the prospects that they do have going forward. It's going to be kind of sad because you know, unless you know they can you know work some uh, some Detroit magic. I don't know however you want to say it. What like they're they're going to be stuck. They're going to be stuck for a while. Yeah, I'm worried. Uh, I think game one and game two. Of that uh, of that first round that we just watched was was indicative of exactly how bad the Pistons are without Blake Griffin. Right. If he goes down for any extended period of time next season, you're looking at a 25 win team. If he if he can give you 70 72 games plus, the best case scenario for you is another seven eighth seed. I will say that I never I did not know that Blake Griffin had as much heart as he did. The last couple of games they had, I mean, Detroit still didn't play well as a team, but he did not want to go down without being a part of the fight. His legs were so wrapped up, and he still managed to score, what, 27th first game in, in the high 20s. I, think, mm-hmm. I can't remember exactly what it was, but you know his performance was, yeah, was still— Yeah, he had like thir- that first game back, he had 30 points in 27 minutes, yeah, something like that, like, yeah. I mean— well, there's not much you can say about that, but you know, kind of give him a round of applause for for not just bowing out when he easily could have. Mm-hmm. Nobody would have blamed him if he didn't want to play. Yeah. But you know, he he risked doing a little more damage because he was actually you know he's he found some loyalty with those guys. Yeah. And you know, sometimes that can take you take you places. But I agree, and I will not say out of Detroit. I will say Blake Griffin <laughs> got a bad rap being part of that whiny crybaby scene yeah. of the Clippers. During, like they had where every call they cried and threw their arms up in the air and made a big deal and any anything that could possibly feel like it was a slight, they made a bigger deal about it. <laughs> Do you remember it? how annoying it was watching those Clippers-Warriors games where literally everybody complained about yes. every oh single call? Oh, my gosh, yeah. Oh, but that's what I mean. like taxing. That, that was just a really bad – That it was it was a very toxic scene for him mm-hmm. to be a part of um, when he was early. Early on in his career, it was a really toxic yeah, make you want a bunch him. of trainer in his face. <laughs> oh, goodness. Utah Jazz as the next team I have up. That's how we segue to the Jazz in Utah is physical violence? Well, I mean, it's, <laughs> you know, Russell Westbrook would agree with me. Right. Uh, so, I have, yeah, I, I, have, I have good feelings about the Jazz, but where do you stand on them? The Jazz are interesting because they have the opportunity to make uh, some, some moves and some changes that can really shake things up. I think one of the first things they really need to do is lose Rubio at the point guard spot, and his contract is up, right? Yeah, he's a free agent. And uh, I think him going somewhere else can give opportunity to making that starting lineup a little more effective. Uh, finding a guy who is actually a 3 and D kind of player who has a mm-hmm. little more perimeter firepower to kind of uh, go along with the way Donovan Mitchell gets into the lane, the things that he can do. It can take a little bit more pressure off of him from having to be that outside threat too because he's he's a, he's okay from the outside, but he's not fantastic yet. He is getting better. Uh, yeah, And... Uh, 
fail. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, no, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. So some of the other things that I'm, I'm thinking that, and maybe I'm going out on a limb, and I've just never been a Derek Favors fan, but they have until July 9th to opt out of his contract and 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 not have to pay yeah, him. Yeah, and, and they I get think that they money should. Back on. Yeah, I really do. He's 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 owed 16 million dollars next year if he stays, which dramatically impacts the ability for them to make any kind of splash in free agency. Kyle Korver is the same at this point. Let him go if you want to. You know, if you want to let it. You know. Uh, it's a it's a non guaranteed contract. If you want to let him walk and then maybe bring him back in um, on like a veteran minimum, I think that kind of makes sense. I, it, I I think that he would actually be up for something like that because he knows where he's at in his career. Yeah, and uh, I think he actually wants to end his career with Utah where it started. So. Yeah, and Kyle Korver is one of those good locker room well, guys. Well, he start. He had a, he was effective there. He started in Philly, but he oh my gosh, I forgot about that. Right, but he had so many good years in Utah. You just think of him there, you know. Yeah. So I can see. Rubio moving, you know, they renounce Rubio, they renounce Favors, they renounce Corver's contract. That makes them a sneaky player for a, for a, a close to max money deal. Um, I can see them in addition to going after some kind of three and D. And there's not a lot of three and D like top three and D guys that are out there um, to, that you can really go after. But there's some like some good players that I think would fit really well with this roster. And we kind of talked about Julius Randall being somebody who absolutely Julius Randall. I mean, this year he's been nothing short of impressive. He is really, you know, he's playing, he played so much more aggressively in new Orleans than he did when he was with the Lakers Mm -hmm. and his offensive game has come really far and his, his defense and intensity is, is just on the rise. And I think that would be a great replacement for somebody like favors. Yeah. A big upgrade. Yeah. I see, um, Kemba Walker, um, being one of those second tier guys that's going to make max money, but I would like him on this roster. He 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 isn't always a pass first guard, but he can be. He takes good shots. Kemba Walker is just like that solid guy that just never makes the news because he plays on bad teams. But he's not one of those like I get amazing stats on a bad team, right. but I can't transition my game. He's a smart player. He he reminds me of like a poor man's Chris Paul, and I think he would fit yeah, really well. That. Yeah, he, I think he fits really well. Another guy that I could see him going after who might not be as good of a fit, but could could make a splash would be D'Angelo Russell if if Brooklyn uh, doesn't doesn't resign him quickly because they have other things in the you know on the on the back burner. That would well. I think D'Angelo Russell would be a good fit anywhere that young man goes. He's he's shown that he can really run the point and and you know there's something about these these emerging left-handed guards all of a sudden. You know, <laughs> J- uh, Jalen Rose would be proud. Absolutely. Uh, Just throw a number five on him and he's set. <laughs> right. So I, I'm I'm big on the Jazz. They have salary cap flexibility. That's keeping um, Gobert. Donovan Mitchell still on his rookie contract. This is kind of a golden time to strike. If they can secure a number two scorer, whoever it's going to be, that team is definitely going to be uh, in a position to continue making strides, much like uh, you know, like the, the the Denver Nuggets, where they're just constantly improving year over year. Yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'm going to take a little bit of a break here on what we're talking about. Just to let you guys know that where we're sitting, the Nuggets are up by 11, 24-35 in the second quarter with four minutes left in the second. And, wow. uh, you know, if we get a chance to update you further, we will. But <laughs> Finger, Fingers crossed, man. Fingers you know, crossed. Fingers crossed. So, I don't like it when my brain wins. <laughs> so uh, another team that, that I'm, I'm – I have a lot of question marks about, and, and not necessarily they're bad, just a lot of question marks, is the, the Brooklyn Nets. So this is probably the biggest offseason crapshoot team. They can go uh, you know, and hit the, 
you know, they, they can go and, and hit the trifecta and land two max money players because they can, they, they're in a, a financially flexible position because mm-hmm. of some really smart maneuvering by Sean Marks planning in the future for this year to land a Kyrie and a Durant. Right, so so I, I think about this. Like we know that Durant and that, and Kyrie Irving are looking at New York, but why would they only look at the Knicks, whose own whose owner is a really terrible guy? Uh, I think it comes down to Zion Williamson, right? If if the Knicks land that number one pick, I can see Zion, uh, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving. But if they don't, tell me. If you're either one of those guys and you have a chance to play in New York, you go to Brooklyn and you have Jarrett Allen in the in the middle. You have um, uh, Karis LeVert. Karis LeVert is at the two. Yeah, he would do it for me too. So That's what I'm saying. Like, like at that point, you're not like you're not two superstars and and these young players mm-hmm. and these veterans. You actually have a really good team. The only person that you lose off last year's roster is uh, uh, D'Angelo Russell and uh, the big man in the middle. The um, I, I always confuse him with Montrez Harrell. The um, you know who I'm thinking the of. The big man in the middle is... Uh, uh, Not Jared Allen, the other one, no. the forward, the, that rotates into the center position from time to time. What, with the, the braids? Yeah. Damari Carroll? Damari Carroll, thank Demari you. Damari Carroll's a three or four, isn't he? Uh, yeah, but he, he plays... He plays. Yeah, um, they, when they go yeah. small, he'll go in there. Yeah, so uh, those are the only two players that they, they really do lose off this team uh, by adding Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. If you're asking me, that is a finals team locked and loaded. Oh, well, Absolutely. It's it's a long shot at best, mm-hmm. and you know nobody would uh, nobody would really be against the the Nets if they only get you know the the one free agent signing, or even if they don't land one of the major free agents, they do land one of the mid level free agents. They're still a much improved team from you know a team that really didn't do half bad this year with what they have, and another opportunity to build on a really young core that they have over there mm-hmm. too. And the more those guys play together, kind of the uh, Portland effect now, the better they're going to get. So yeah, yeah, I think they have nowhere to go but up. And a big shout out to Sean Marks for doing this on the fly without any kind of. I mean, he had a team without any. Anybody, right there, there was nobody that that had trade value. I mean, he was he was saddled with Darren Williams' contract at the end of Darren oh, Williams' yeah. terrible career. Nobody nobody thought that they were going to do anything the last mm-hmm. couple of years, right? So I want to talk a little about the fleece job that Danny Ainge did to the previous management that was in that was in New Jersey, and then of course Brooklyn. You always want to talk about what Danny Ainge did. Oh, it makes me so mad that that somebody signed off on this. Like the league says, no, yeah, the Lakers can't have Chris Paul. But no, I'm going to step in. It's how not, dare you trade Chris Paul? How, to Lakers. Oh. Oh, but you know what, Danny Ainge? What, why don't you take their girlfriends too? Why not? <laughs> well, how can you fault Danny Ainge when the other guy was like, "Yeah, sounds good." Yeah. Hey, I got an idea for you. I got this 34-year-old and this 33-year-old with two years left on really big contracts, and they're all out of gas. Or 34, sorry, 34-year-old, 33-year-old. And how about you give me? We're a couple years removed from winning a championship with them. You give me <laughs> all of your draft picks. Now, to the listeners who might not know this, there's something called a Steepian rule because in, in the 1970s, the owner of the Golden State Warriors, they were called uh, uh, the something Warriors at the time. I'm San Francisco? San Francisco, thank you. The San Francisco Warriors uh, was a complete buffoon. And what he would do is he would trade every draft pick forever for mediocre players, right? So, like, today's equivalent would be, hey, Jason, I really think that Danilo Gallinari is a rock star. I will give you three first-round picks for him. And you're like, mm, yeah, okay. So what the, what the league did 
in, in, near the end of the 70s was they, they, they passed a rule that said you can't trade consecutive draft picks. This is to prevent you from hurting your franchise in such a way that it can't recover because here's what had to happen with the Golden State Warriors or the San Francisco Warriors. The league had to give them com- uh, compensatory picks to try to rebuild the team. So he sold the team, but the only way to get the other owner to buy it was to give him free draft picks because the team had leveraged their future so poorly for so long that there was just no hope of ever winning. So so his business deals and crappy, crappy deals with every other team got the team free picks that they didn't even deserve? Well, the new owner got the free picks well, as a contingency of buying it because the other person had ran the team into bankruptcy because nobody was oh, coming yeah. to the games anymore. So he, he completely had to bankrupt it. And for this other guy to come in and save the team, they were like, yeah, we have to give you have to give me free draft picks. And they ended up working out the deal. And they even had no, to finance it themselves. I'm just, I'm just themselves. saying it still got him picks in the end. <laughs> <laughs> so, so they make this rule that says you can't you can't go consecutive drafts right. without trading away your pick. That's why you see people trading. I have our 20, 2021 and twenty twenty three draft. Picks. Yeah, because I can't give you my nineteen and my twenty. I can give you my nineteen, my twenty one, uh, so on and so forth. And there's other convoluted, complicated things to it. But here's what Danny Ainge did to get around that. He looked at his team and said, "You know what? We're going to be a deep playoff team every year. Tell you what, I want your I want your sixteen pick." And I want to swap your seventeen pick with mine. I want your eighteen pick. I'll swap my nineteen pick. And, and the guy signed off on it. And then he said, you know what? I wanted – like he ended up like stretching it out like two or three more oh, yeah. years than it had to yeah, be. it was crazy. So then this team is completely left with like late first-round picks and then no pick. A late first-round pick and no pick. And then their salary capped into oblivion. And then the, they get fired. Sean Marks with no experience. They're like, hey, buddy, why don't you hold things down until the grown-ups show up? And then yeah. he turns yeah. it into a legitimate – Organization. He did such a good job. He made LeBron go to L.A. last year. <laughs> <laughs> oh Lord, have mercy! You know, uh, you know, LeBron was expecting that number one pick, mm-hmm. right? Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Oh, let me tell you. And that's something nobody ever talks about, too, you know? Yeah. Shame on Colin Sexton for not being as good as we thought. Shame on you for selling me on Colin Sexton being better than we thought. Did you see his eyes on that play? Uh, One play. Yeah, but I've never seen anybody more zeroed in on defense, especially in a preseason game in my life. Well, he should have been more zeroed in on that games one through 82. Hey, hey, no, no, no. He had a a solid season. We went our first couple of months with his teammates saying, you know, he doesn't know how to play. He's since turned that around, and he finished with a pretty good year. Look it up. All right. Other, another team that finished with a pretty good year is the Indiana Pacers, and they're the next on the list to talk about. How about you kick us off with what you think about, what you think about the Indiana Pacers? I think the Indiana Pacers, I mean, to, one of the things they got this year was a whole lot better uh, aside from their superstar being there. That gave so many guys who wouldn't have the opportunity and to to be a scorer like they were this year uh, a lot more confidence in their game. When they get Victor Oladipo back, they're going to be that much better. Plus, uh, uh, they are, I mean, they haven't, uh, soaked up all their room. They don't right. have this sky high, you know, uh, salary. They they are in a good position to to add more pieces to that team and to be more cohesive next yeah, year. Yeah, they have a max spot, and, and a lot of nobody's talking about that. They talk about the Nets, they talk about the Clippers, they talk about these teams, the, the Knicks that have freed all this cap space but, up. Yeah, Indiana doesn't have to lose anybody, right? Indiana isn't going to have to lose a single body to bring in a max money player. They get to keep Oladipo. Who's only twenty six, mind you? They mm-hmm. get to keep Turner, who's only twenty three. Sabonis, who's only twenty two. That's a good core to build around. Absolutely. And it's not like they have like we're talking about losing like thirty one year old Darren Collison and uh, 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 whoever the other backup is over there for the for the point guard. I'm blanking on it right now. Um, 
That's who you're losing. You're losing like these bit players who aren't part of your they're future re- anyway. They're replaceable. Yeah. They're like insert name here players. Mm-hmm. And and you know what? You could probably bring Darren Collison back after you make your big splash at a veteran minimum because he's not making t- $10 or $12 million next year unless somebody's really, really desperate. I'm excited, but I'm also like like a little tepid about this because they're they're just not a big enough name to go out and convince somebody. So I feel like what if they're one of the teams that overpays a Tobias Harris? I really hope. I hope they're smarter than that. What if they because they need a three and D guy and he's not I'm not saying he is a three and D guy, he's more than that. But what if they overpay Chris Middleton? To, to to steal him away from Milwaukee, and they give a Chris Middleton max money because he, you know, you add him to that team, he's better. But then you've just de- like doomed yourself. Like that's what I mean. Like the Pacers, they can they can explode, they can they can stall, they can pump the brakes a little bit, or they can really sabotage themselves. With I mean, this they could offer him that. I, I have a feeling though that. Uh, Chris Middleton is the kind of guy that would actually probably prefer to stay in Milwaukee for a little bit less. I, I agree. I agree. I mean, just you can tell. I mean, with him and Giannis's relationship. I mean, they're really, really tight. And if if they're smart, they will kind of pull uh, a Tim Duncan kind of a move or a Dirk Nowitzki kind mm-hmm. of a move. Like, look, you're in a really important part of our team. You stay here. You get a little less now, but. You're a guy. We'll take care of you. You know yeah. what I mean? You're a part of the best team in this franchise's history. And you've been here for, you know, several years now. Make this your home. And he's been a good fit with those two together. And I, I, I don't think Giannis would want to see him to leave. And I think he would do whatever he can to convince him. So. Yeah, maybe so. And it's not like the Bucks are ever going to have salary cap space. So they could probably overpay him and not really care. Because then, like we talked about earlier, if you're already over the cap, pay whatever you want. I don't care. Right. Uh, you know, it doesn't. you're making a fake $27 million at that point. Um, you know the the sneaky pick that that I have is that when you look at the way the team runs, the type of people that are on that team, the cohesion that they have, the Seventy Sixers are are messing around right now. Yeah, you know you also get to hang with Larry Bird, right? Right, you. you get a little bit of Larry Legend time. The the Seventy Sixers are messing around. Jimmy Butler walks from the Seventy Sixers says I'm not resigning into this mess. Four year max deal. Especially if nobody wants to pay him a four year contract. Jimmy Butler to the, a team with young guys who all play hard. Jimmy Butler, max money, worth it to this team, mm-hmm. uh, and then you, then you put him at the three. To the yeah. people listening, I just made like this expression on my face, and then put my hands to my side, like "Come on, adjacent," because I think that makes brilliant sense. It does. Uh, that that team plays a lot more like the 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 team that you would expect a guy like Jimmy Butler would want to be on too. Uh, not full of, uh, you know, not a team full of prima donnas like his situation right now. Because I guarantee you, he's he sees some of those things and some of the immature acts that these guys are doing, and his blood is probably boiling most nights. Oh yeah, I'm sure. Now I will say this about him: the only knock that I have on the Pacers is um, uh, the head coach Nate McMillan gets people to overachieve. Nate McMillan can mentor young players. Nate McMillian, McMillian, Nate McMillian. That would be a, that's a sick nickname, though. <laughs> yeah. Maybe he called himself that when he signed a, a, uh, his first million dollar contract as a player. He doesn't feel like the coach that wins you championships. He doesn't feel like the coach that's going to take you deep into the playoffs every year. He's the coach that warms the seat for the next guy. I think you called it perfectly for the comparison, though. He's Mark Jackson. Oh yeah. Mark Jackson is a very, very good head coach. Everybody in in Golden State absolutely loved him. And uh, 
he just never got over the hump. He got all those guys ready to make that step, and then they brought in Steve Kerr with, uh, I mean, even with zero head coach experience, he was a very, very smart basketball mind. I mean, how long did he last in the league being not athletic at all? You know what I mean? Especially when it's playing through an era where it's a lot harder to get your shot. I mean, Steve Kerr wasn't fast. Steve Kerr couldn't jump. He could shoot, but you couldn't nullify this, you know, 6'3", you know, slow white kid with two bad knees. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, that tells you a little bit of how has his basketball mind worked. And it it translated to actually being able to get all that talent that was in Golden State, you know, despite the fact that, well, I mean, Mark Jackson was like everybody's favorite, uh, like, personable coach. Like, he related to these guys so well. Um, Steve Kerr is actually kind of the same way. Uh, it's too bad that you know he gets a little bit of flack for kind of coming in the way that he did, but uh, yeah, that I mean, yeah, I'm, it's I'm a with good comparison. You. I want to just say uh, it's the end of the second quarter. We're going into halftime. Denver's up forty-seven thirty-four, so that kind of destroys this next segment for me because I did some really good research on a Denver team that I assumed was going to get bumped by a more experienced and better coached Spurs team. Egg all over this face. I mean, I'm looking at this. Uh, LaMarcus Aldridge, 2 of 8. DeMar DeRozan, 1 of 10. Uh, Forbes, 1 of 4. Derek yeah. White, 0 oh, of 5. I mean, this is, a, this is a rough first half. Maybe they can snap out of it. But thankfully, I mean, it's not the best half for the Nuggets either, only scoring 47 points at home. Oh right gosh. now they're being led by Paul Millsap with only 8 points, shooting 3 for 10 from the field. So, well, the, well, I mean, that's, that's just of the uh, – I mean, he's he's – uh, Jokic is actually crushing him right now too, though. Where's he at? Yeah, so Jokic is at um, 15 points and uh. nine rebounds already. He's just he's he's been tearing it up. But yeah, outside of that, then then it's Millsap. I, I'll say I, I'm going to stick with my theory. Spurs are going to win the 190 points. Probably out of the question now, though. I'm saying <laughs> I'm saying maybe 185. <laughs> they got 34 in the first half. It's a big second half. I'm going to bet it all on black. So I'm going to talk about the Nuggets, even though they're going to probably win this game. You know, uh, and if you want to talk about some of the Spurs and, and just kind of you know uh, wax philosophical, uh, you know, and maybe have a little bit of a, a mourning period and, and, and focus on the Spurs, that's okay too. But here's here's what I think is really impressive about the Nuggets. Right, step one for this offseason, they have to opt out of Paul Millsap's contract, and step two, they just keep winning. They have uh, a top ten, and maybe even better than that, uh, a rookie. Uh, their draft pick this year who who sat the entire year because of injuries michael porter jr is going to be in the rotation next year and i believe he's going to be a starter count that as a as a serious rookie of the year contender for if you guys have not seen him play in college look him up yeah yeah his high school clips a little bit better than college because he had a limited time in college but man he's killing it in practices now and stuff Mm -hmm. too some of those clips are coming out he looks good i think he's going to be huge this group uh, Jokic is 24, Harris is 24, Murray is 22, Porter is 20. They're primed to be a 50-win team for the next five to seven years easy. Oh, absolutely. They they got a solid young, young core. And, mm-hmm. you know, they're just getting confidence. And being able to knock out a team like San Antonio, is especially coming back after losing their first two games at home and being, you know, in a, getting themselves in a position where they're actually going to win this uh, series in seven more than likely. I mean, that's a, that's a big step that will give these young guys a lot of confidence that they did not have going into this round of the playoffs. Yeah, I agree. I, the only question going um, forward for the Nuggets is going to be Coach Malone. 
I like to say Coach Malone because it reminds me of Post Malone. <laughs> but anyways, uh, it's Coach Malone. It, he's he's obviously the leader of this really young team, and he's a great mentor, and he's a great locker room guy to, to keep these guys on the same page and, and have a good uh, good chemistry. Uh, he gets so heated that I think he goes on tilt a little bit, and he stops being the X and O guy at that point because he gets so emotional. We've seen him get kicked out of games mm-hmm. at different times. Like, can he calm that down? Because now he's not this up and comer, like you know, bucking trends. Next season, he has to be considered a front runner. Uh, uh, this this team, not just him, but this team has to be considered a front runner. You know, being being a fifty something win team, almost challenging the Warriors for the number one seed, especially if they make it out of the first round. I mean, that's. He has to show a little bit more maturity moving forward, yeah? Well, I, I kind of like when that happens. Because to me, sometimes getting kicked out of a game mm-hmm. is a huge motivator for this your guys. This ain't baseball. Nah, dude. How many times have you seen Pop do this? You know what? Popovich does this because he's old and he's tired. And he's like, I just want to go. I just, Phil Jackson did the same thing. Phil Jackson would be like, I have dinner plans. This game's taking longer than I thought. If you saw Phil Jackson stand up during the game, you know he was going to do something to get kicked out. Yes. Because he was always sitting down with his legs crossed. Yeah. Like nothing really <laughs> bothered him. And he's like, you know what? It's been a while since I've been kicked out of no, this game. No, but it's a good move. I mean, it shows that you know he's fighting for him. And even if even if maybe the it, say the refs made the right call, and the players don't think of it. He's got their back, and he mm-hmm. he goes to war for them. So yeah, I, I like, that's why they respect him so much. Right, too. I like that, but but that has to be strategic. You have to be doing that because you know that you're going to get kicked out, and it's going to inspire somebody to do something. I think he just loses his temper, and he goes because at that point, even the games he doesn't get kicked out when calls don't go his way, like that team is susceptible to getting a run against them. Uh, and, and that's happened actually a few different times this season too, where they lose their focus because he's Jokic, and maybe next year Jokic will be the guy that can that can stay, you know, stay the course. But right now it's Malone. He's controlling that focus, that attention, that that drive. And when he gets kind of rushed, then his players, because they're all one big family at this point, his their players get a little rushed too. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, so, do you want to hold out hope? Or do you want to go ahead and use use a few minutes to wax philosophical? I'm going to hold out hope, and I'm I, you don't have any idea how much I hate talking about the Spurs losing. So okay, <laughs> all right, we're gonna you know what here at the Over and Back Podcast, we're gonna keep throwing good money at bad, and we're gonna we're gonna double down at this point. I just called my bookie, and I have tripled my bet Spurs uh, in double overtime. That's that's the only way we can get. It's going to have to be fifteen overtime to get to the score you said it was going to be. <laughs> it can happen. I, I I meant cumulative. So, uh, it's been a while since we've had one of our fun segments, and I thought back. It, we're we're getting crunched on time, so we're going to have a mini version of our dear Shaquille O'Neal's shoot pass slam. So, some topics. Uh, I want to throw your way, Jason, and I want you to either – so any any new listeners who's not used to the segment, Shaquille O'Neal in 1993 on his Shaq Diesel album had a legendary song where he would shout, do you want me to shoot it? And people would say, no. Do you want me to pass it? No. Do you want me to slam it? Yeah. We do the same thing here. I give Jason a topic. I ask him, take a shot. Do you want to pass on the topic, or do you want to slam the topic? The first one on the list is Tayshaun Prince was recently named VP of Operations for the Grizzlies. you want to pass, shoot, or slam it? Uh, you know what? Let's shoot. All right. You know what? Uh, shout out to Tayshaun Prince. Tayshaun Prince, uh, 
was in this league for a very long time, and in that role player spot mm-hmm. and, and for a championship team, he has a great basketball mind. I love this game. He was a very cerebral type player, and he knows actually uh, it's a good fit because the, the, the Grizzlies are all about defense. Yep. And that was Tayshaw Prince's uh, thing, and I think he's going to actually try to build that team in, in a way that he's going to see fit as far as his style of play. So, yeah, I like it. Big shout-out to Tayshaw Prince as well for me. I will say this. He was one of the two godfathers for the modern-day 3-and-D small forward position. Mm-hmm. Him and Bruce Bowen. Absolutely. The, those, those guys invented this position that, that every team searches for now because they did it so well. Unassuming. They weren't divas. They didn't demand the ball. You know, let your stars do what they do and then know that you have an outlet in the corner or at the top of the except, key. Except uh, Tayshaun Prince didn't beat up his teammates like Bruce Bowen would do. Well, yeah, but, but <laughs> Tayshaun Prince also never had to play for the Yakima Sun Kings either. So, you know, different strokes <laughs> for different folks. Next on our list, and I'm just going to tell you right now, we're not going to slam because there's nobody in this world that probably could unless it was a, a Laker from the 60s. John Havlicek recently passed away. Would you like to go ahead and take a shot? Yeah, let's take a shot. 13-time All-Star, 8-time champion. Named one of the 50 greatest in the NBA history, 1984 inducted into the Hall of Fame. Literally a part of the most famous call in NBA history. Yes. In watching old videos when I was a kid when they would do like ESPN. Before there was ESPN Classics, they would show all these final series uh, just on ESPN 1 because there was only one ESPN when we were kids. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) And... That call of Havlicek stole the ball, Havlicek stole the ball is how I first heard about this this guy when I was probably like eight or nine years old. And then seeing him as a part of that Celtics team and how vital he was and what what a, a crazy offensive player yep. and well-rounded player he was. Uh, even Bill Russell had said he was the greatest all-around player that he had ever seen. Yeah. So there are, there are a few things that are hallowed in the NBA for me. Um, the Chicago Bulls of the 90s, that, mm-hmm. that team. Um, it is the modern day the the one I got to watch that that feels a, a little bit more visceral to me, but but every year when you get to see that Celtics team kind of get together, um, it's it's it, there's something magic about it, and it, it's it's a little sadder now that that he's no longer going to be at those events. He's no longer going to be one of the men standing up there, mm-hmm. and it's really it's really disheartening. Not even disheartening. It's really sad to know that you know each and every year that group is getting a little bit smaller and smaller. Mm-hmm. Um, they meant so much for what the NBA is, um, a, a global um, uh, a global being. You know, Magic and Bird get credit. Jordan gets credit. But that Boston Celtics team and that rivalry with the L.A. Lakers was what turned the NBA into uh, a national phenomenon. Absolutely. I totally agree. Uh, because I always like to throw random facts uh, at our listeners so that they can grow, I also want to say this. John Havlicek uh, drafted in the seventh round by the Cleveland Browns as a, wide, right. as a wide receiver, played in a handful of exhibition games before the season, and then they cut him. Who knew? Best yeah. best decision you know, for actually, him ever. I actually just heard that the other day for oh, the did first you? time. Yeah. Oh, wow. I, yeah, and uh, it, it shocked me. And it's, it's always crazy to see these uh, – just how well rounded of an athlete some of these guys yeah. that they were. Yeah. Absolutely. So I mean, there's there's a lot of stories about these these guys who had their pick of what sport to go into. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, athletes were athletes, man. Absolutely. You know, they weren't. They, now it's you know now it's AAU from the time that you're ten. Uh, you have to be groomed for 
one sport yeah, or the other. Absolutely, and they just shove it down their throats. I'm surprised some of these kids don't end up just resenting it. You got to imagine how many of them that don't make it. We thought we thought uh, JJ Redick wasn't going to make it very long in the NBA because he'd hated basketball so much by the time he went pro. Mm-hmm. So the next topic, Laker love shout out right here, Jason. You want to shoot, pass, or slam? LeBron James regains the number one spot in jersey sales for the NBA. You gonna give a shout out? I'm so excited about skipping this one. Let's pass. Oh, heartbroken. <laughs> All right, Paul George uh, redefining what his relationship is with the media. You want to shoot, pass, or slam? I want to shoot this one because this one pissed me off. I want to slam it personally, dude. You fire away. Well, I guess I'd be slamming it right All now. Right. If it pisses All me right. off, but I want to talk about it because my. God, Russell Westbrook is the worst influencer on. <laughs> it all comes back to Russ, I guess. That's right. That's no, right. Paul George was a really good guy to the media. He never, I mean, especially if it's just a basketball question, he gave good answers. He went as far as to to pull out Russell Westbrook's no comment crap. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, on, on a simple basketball question, now what he did was he was breaking down the last play of the e- amazing shot that Damian Lillard had to shout get, out. To kick them out of the playoffs, it was it was poetic, it was wonderful, and it was also the same shot that he made like half an hour before he made that one on Paul George. It's also how he crushed another team in the playoffs. So the fact that and and the, he was guarded harder on the the first mm-hmm. shot that he made. So for Paul George to just have such sour grapes, saying you know he took a bad shot, it's just going to go down in history as a bad shot. You know when people talk about this, they'll talk about the bad shot that he made. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, he was salty, man. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm sorry, but I have not heard one single other person besides Paul George say that that was a bad shot. What I have heard them say was that there's three people in this league. That that wouldn't be a bad shot for being Steph Curry, James Harden, and Damian Lillard. That's right. Well, Dan, I mean, Damian Lillard, sixty-one percent on those shots, yes, right? He's, he's, okay, the the whole league was shooting like six for twenty-four from beyond thirty feet. Mm-hmm. Damian Lillard was shooting eight for twelve. Oh, eight for twelve. Yeah, eight for yeah, twelve. Yeah. Uh, sorry, but he sat there. He basically rocked you to sleep. It was your fault because with three seconds left, when you know Damian mm-hmm. Lillard cannot mm-hmm. make a move with three seconds left, you chose to not get up on him. Yeah, you didn't. You didn't run up. Damian Lillard's response to this was brilliant. He's like, he's like "Bad shot, bad shot." I, I, it was bad defense, if you ask me. <laughs> yeah, like, that was the best. <laughs> that was good for you. Uh, That'll teach him to rock the baby. Yeah, there you go. You know, I, I'm, 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 I'm right there with you. I think that. Um, so th- those of you who don't know, Russell Westbrook has this rivalry with uh, Barry Trammell, or I guess it, it kind of got put to bed um, at, at uh, the last article, uh, the last story that Barry wrote for uh, um, it was almost like an advertorial for for Russell Westbrook's new shoe deal. But uh, uh, what it, what it, what it came down to is that um, there was a, there was a story written about Russell Westbrook. Um, and Kevin Durant with Kevin leaving and, it, and it, it, it talked about not being able to handle the pressure and, and since then he, like this was in 2015 uh, when they you know hey you couldn't handle the pressure being up 3-1 and then losing to the Golden State Warriors you know what if you can't take the heat get out of the kitchen if you ask me but it doesn't matter uh, he next questioned this guy for three years yeah. next question hey how did that go next question and then Paul George sees, hey, we can get away with this. The Thunder uh, media relations team embraces this, so he starts doing it as well. Now he's up there being a negative Nelly about anything. Paul George used to be a statesman of this game, yep. and now he's turning into a next question, into a bad shot. 
I'm with you. I think, Paul George, you need to spend this offseason realizing that Russ might be a really energetic guy and he might be like this fiery leader, but he's not the guy that, that should be setting the tone on that team. It really should be you. He's a bad example, and I really hope, above everything else, that Paul George doesn't start to dress like him. Oh, goodness gracious. You know what? <laughs> when that day comes. So I got, a, I got a couple more topics, and I know we're running up against the wall with time. Uh, this one a little bit more sensitive. Do you want to shoot? Pass or slam Luke Walton under investigation by the league and the Sacramento Kings for an alleged sexual assault. We will get into nothing but trouble. Let's go ahead and pass. Yeah, we'll leave this one up for uh, for for uh, the results of the investigation. Yeah, probably something that we're we'll circle back around after everything's come out and, and, and there's been a decision on That's it. There's right. going to be a lot to talk about, but you're right. We're going to pass on that now yeah. and go to the final topic of the evening. What is going on in L.A.? Because Magic Johnson resigned but is still basically doing the same exact job he was doing before he resigned. Do you want to shoot, pass, or slam our final topic, which happens to be more Laker talk? Uh, well, we, we can't not do this segment, segment, so let's go ahead and shoot. Fire away. What is going on? I don't. I mean, the Lakers are starting to become a bit of a mystery here. Whether it be you know their their president of basketball operations position, whether it be what is going on as far as the GM position is going on, mm-hmm. what's going to happen there, I I don't know. And for them to for Magic to still appear to be working in some sort of yeah. uh, in some yeah. sort of capacity with them, uh, is this just is he just going to be kind of public relations? Is his job like a a glorified? Uh, Scout, or you know what I mean? Somebody just to be—is he going to be an attraction for people to kind of talk to? And he's just going to be the guy who talks to talks to free agents in maybe a not quite as professional of a capacity, so he can get away with his quote unquote uh, not tampering, not really tampering. Yeah, I'm a hundred percent with you on that. I really do agree. Magic Johnson was like, I can't follow the rules. So just don't pay me, and I'll resign, but I'm still going to do what I'm doing. Yeah. And I, you can still bring me in on the pitches to the free agents, and I can still hang around the building, and I can still come in and because, sit in Genie Bus's office. Because I have no official title, I'm just going to get away with everything. I'm just a statesman of the game. It's just it's yeah. just kind of shady. You know? And he's so rich, he doesn't need to get the paycheck, no. so why not? Like, yeah. it was probably making him mad. He's a billionaire. But I got another theory, Everybody Jason. go to the theater. Magic Johnson movie theaters. I got another theory. What's that? This is this is deep this is deep dive research on on nothing but Is there something on Reddit? No, it's not something on Reddit, but but I got some Reddit stories for you one day on a on a slow podcast. Rumor has it. Alright. Anytime I say rumor has it, it's literally me making this rumor up. So so forgive me. Rob Palinka's out. Rob Palinka is the only person in L.A. that doesn't know Rob Palinka is going to not be the general manager. He's walking around thinking, hey, I just landed it. I just got Magic out of here. And then, like, why is Magic still in the building? Why is Magic still sitting in that office? Why is Magic in the in, in Genie Bus's office with the door closed for the last two hours? Why Why am I? Like, he walks in. He's like, hey, guys, how's it going? Having a meeting? They're like, oh, we're just catching up on anything. Oh, any, anything I can help with? And Genie's like, yeah, can you get us a couple coffees? Like that's what's happening right now to Rob Polinka, and he just doesn't know what else to do, so he just goes back and he gets the coffee. See, see what I've heard uh, is Rob Polinka is Genie Bus's guy because Rob Polinka is Kobe's guy, and Kobe will always. Right now, they're saying that as far as Genie Bus is concerned, Kobe has that 
higher spot in the hierarchy. Yeah. You know, uh, that, that she kind of goes along with what Kobe wants because I, I tell you, every single decision that's made too, Jeannie Buss also gives Kobe a call to see what he thinks about these deals. Yeah. So, you know, it could be true. Uh, I wouldn't mind seeing it because I don't think Rob Palinka is has been that great of a GM. Uh, but, you know, he could very well be on his way out. So just because I want to be even even a worse influence for our listeners, it goes even deeper than that. Okay. All right. So the the GM for the Golden State Warriors has climbed Mount Everest. He then descended Mount Everest and then reclimbed it and then descend he like he owns the mountain at this point, right? There's nothing else he can accomplish. Well uh, that must have been on his Instagram. <laughs> There's nothing else <laughs> he can accomplish in Golden State. Steph's there. They're gonna resign like this is it, right? He's gonna resign Clay. He's gonna try to resign Durant. Durant's probably gonna walk. He's gonna figure out what to do with Draymond Green. He's probably gonna resign Boogie Cousins and then he's he's done. Like he he's he's gonna end up in LA. Palinka's gonna get pushed to some other title. Myers is going to come in and and Golden State Warrior that LA Lakers team. Conspiracy theory, ridiculous or plausible? Well, it's plausible, and I think that's always been kind of the plan on what to do over there. They, they want to turn that franchise into the next wave of, you know, warrior style basketball as far as, you know, their winning culture and they want to be they want to be the top heralded team in the league. That's no mystery. Um, whether it come from him or somebody else, you know, we'll see. We'll see. No, I'm with you. So the the last thing that we want to do is we had a couple questions from from our readers and uh, I, I want to be able to I want to be able to go over a little of that. Before I do Jason, do you want to go ahead and, and give the give the people uh, our info on what we're looking for every single week with our Facebook page and our email address? Well, hey, guys, we love hearing from you. So uh, every week, please write in with questions, with comments, with whatever you guys feel like to uh, our Facebook page, one at Over and Back, O-V-E-R-N-B-A-C-K, uh, at slash backslash, whatever it is, at facebook.com. Look it up. It's there. And then over and back at gmail.com. Write in with whatever you guys feel like. We love hearing from you. So Daniel wrote in with two more questions for us. The first one, I have one shot and one shot only I want to talk about. All right. Dame hits a crazy shot to win the series. What are some of your favorite game winners of all time? I'm just going to get it out of the way because it's the easiest one ever. Oh, my God. Can you say this name? It's... Brian Russell push off. What? Who? Jordan game six, Utah Jazz. That's my greatest game winner of all time. Who did he hit that against? Brian Russell. Byron. Brian. Byron. Byron. Brian. Is that his name? It, I'm gonna stick with it. Brian. That's right. <laughs> We've. It was fifty fifty. I just stuck if, with it. If you don't know, uh, Michael Jordan couldn't pronounce his name or remember what it even was at that press conference, <laughs> and it really, really pissed that guy off. Yeah, uh, but but not as bad as falling face first while Jordan destroys your team. Right. But hey, <laughs> what is your best shot of all time? And I know I I took I took the e- I, I I took the easy one. My apologies. Now, are we going to go NBA? I don't know if you want to go WNBA. I guess you could. Uh, no, I've actually never watched a game. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> I love the Lord and all of his people. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, it's never on. And okay. I don't have cable. There you go. So, there you go. Um, Blame streaming media. Yeah. ESPN 3, if you want to stream that online at convenient times for me, that'd be great. 
like weekend afternoons don't work so well. So you're not you're not picking what I think. You're you're going college. You're not picking '90s college, are you? Oh no. Go ahead. I'm picking '90s college. Oh no. I'm picking '90s college. I'm picking a dream teamer. Oh no. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. No, actually, my favorite shot uh, to to win a, uh, a is it a series or is it a, a game? Just any game winner, because my favorite game winner is Jordan against Craig Elo. No, oh, that was legendary. That legendary. is that's that's the Gatorade shot, man. That's yep. the I want to be like Mike shot. It is. That was it is. That's it how is. everybody jumped after a shot when we won our game of like three on three on the court or whatever it was. It was it's it's iconic, and you know. Craig Elo, probably a little bit undermatched when it comes to guarding Michael Jordan, but they had some battles over the years because Craig Elo really wasn't a slouch. But that shot that he hit was just an absolute thing of beauty. And I can think of so many others that, you know, again, the one we were joking around about was Christian Leitner uh, hitting that national championship game winner for Duke. That was... Everybody was, hates it, Christian Leitner. It was good. If you haven't seen that 30 for 30, that 30 for 30 is good, <laughs> that is, man. That, that is. is really good. So uh, trivia question real quick. on Who threw him the ball? Who inbounded that? Does he drink Sprite? Ah, you do it. Okay, ah. I can never catch you on those. <laughs> I can never catch you on those. I had another, I had another uh, all-time favorite that, um, that I, I – Kobe Bryant over Ruben Patterson uh, from like 38 feet landing – Knocking uh, Ruben Patterson's shoes off, and then, or I'm sorry, Kobe's shoes get knocked off, and Ruben Patterson collects them and then has them <laughs> signed. The shot wasn't nearly as great as the fact that another grown man, NBA player in that era, took his shoes to him and said, Can you please sign your shoes? Because that was a great shot. And, you know, we've had a great time with you guys this week, folks, but I'm just going to thank my friend here for not saying two words when it came to game winning shots. Mm. And I'm going to leave you with this. Point four. Oh, <laughs> that okay. Dang it! I wish I would have remembered that one. You know, it just didn't. It just didn't make that big of an impact because I think most people can get a shot up in less than half a second. If you don't know the the NBA rules have changed because when uh, Derek Fisher hit that shot against my Spurs, mm-hmm. legally you cannot take a legitimate shot with less than 0.7 seconds. It had to be either a tip. And for some unknown reason, with 0.4 seconds left off, they allowed Derek Fisher to take a quick shot. Uh, now the, the rule since changed because apparently that proved you can try to do it. Uh, uh, but uh, that knocked my Spurs out of the playoffs, and I complained about it for about 12 years. So. Yeah, well, it sounds like you're still kind of doing it a little bit. Uh, the, the last Point question, four! <laughs> the, the last question is, with how well the, the, the Clippers have done in the playoffs, and we kind of touched base on this earlier, with how well the Clippers have done pushing the game six, are the Lakers, uh, the Lakers have any chance of landing a free agent or even a trade for Anthony Davis? Absolutely not. I don't. I think it's 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 almost feeling like a cesspool in there. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Nobody mm-hmm. wants to jump in that. Yeah. You know, uh, uh, there's zero shot at Anthony Davis at this point. Their only hope is that you know maybe one of these these top names decide to make their way back to or make their way to L.A. instead of to New York. And you guys know who those are. So 
I will say Anthony Davis is always going to be a possibility because for some reason he's drank the Kool-Aid, right? He'll, like, he'll be a possibility. They're not going to trade him there. He'll have to wait another year before I think he's a possibility. Okay. I would agree if David Griffin didn't just take the GM job for the Pelicans. David Griffin I don't think is going to hold the same line that the previous Del Demps uh, was holding, right? I think that I think that he'll be – like he's having that fake conversation. Oh, like I think yeah, Anthony Davis he, can stay here. I think we're going to work it out. He's trading him, and he's looking at – Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, Kyle Kuzma, and saying, if well, I can get these three, I'm, I'm going. How many times have we said you know, this about their assets, though? The, the Laker assets aren't as shiny as they were when that trade was first offered. We have Ingram. Neither is Anthony Davis, though. Well, true. Anthony Davis, the consummate injured guy. But they don't think that. They think he is the, you know, the be-all, end-all as far as, mm-hmm. you know, uh, what are you going to give me for this giant bargaining chip? So they're not worried about his injury history. Mm-hmm. But we have... Alonzo Ball, who's got his wildly inconsistent game and and, 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 and uh, shoe problems that mm-hmm. are hurting his ankles, apparently. Uh, Brandon Ingram and his shoulder issues. Mm-hmm. Kyle Kuzma is is the big piece in there. Kyle Kuzma is is a shiny bargaining chip, mm-hmm. but Kyle Kuzma is not enough to get Anthony Davis. And I don't know. I think too much of the the shine and polish has gone off the other two two pieces. So here's the only thing that Maybe I they'll give him Julius Randle back. <laughs> here's the thing that I think. I, I think that the deal can still happen. Because I think you can still get more out of Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, Kyle Kuzma than you can out of a year left of of, uh, of Anthony Davis, right? They're not going to just play him for a year and let him walk. They're going to take anything they can, and if that's the best deal they get, that's the best deal they get. Because David yeah. Griffin's probably not going to let him walk. But I, th- but I think other people can, are going to offer them better deals. Uh, maybe, and if so, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll revisit that. I'm just I'm kind of curious on what that's going to be, considering Kyrie walking and, and that lo- them losing some of the leverage up in Boston. Now. The the one thing that I say, this is why Anthony Davis is the only person I can see wanting to still go to L.A. Anthony Davis is the same person who didn't really hurt his shoulder but then kind of hurt his shoulder, so he left the game. And he didn't just leave the game. He left the arena in the middle of the game, walking out with his agent on his way to the All-Star game, and he, he faked his way through this. If there is anybody that LeBron James uh, can talk into – Coming into a place where winning and culture doesn't seem to really matter, it's going to be apparently acting. Yeah, it's it's going to be this guy who clearly showed that the only thing he really cares about is what he wants, not not winning, not team, not anything. It's just what does Anthony Davis want? I think that's a perfect pairing for LeBron James at this point in his career. Yeah, yeah, you know, I yep, I, I don't think it's going to amount to much in LA, even if they do get him. No. So. Uh, yeah, you know, like Jason touched on earlier, man, we love the we love the questions. Keep them coming. O v e r b n c. I got that wrong. O v e r n b a c k at gmail dot com. Email us your questions, comments, concerns, anything that you want to insult Jason about. I'd love to be able to read that on the air. I want to thank you all for giving us another hour and a half of your time. This yeah, week. man, it's been a great a great time. Have a great week, guys, and we will talk to you next time. Peace. Peace.